Hi, my name's Alistair. Hi, my name's Kat, and this is Bampot Productions Podcast. What do you have for us today, Ali? Dead air? <laughs> Say something. Well, <clears throat> what has happened with the shipping industry? I don't think you've rehearsed for this because I, I did why rehear- would you ask about <laughs> shipping industry? <laughs> I, know I mean, if you were asking about rocket launching that I could get, the Shetlands has a space center, believe it or not, right? Yeah. And they've just recently launched a rocket wow. from the Shetlands. Islands that are part of Scotland have just launched a rocket. Why? How, how did this happen? Why did this happen? So- Enlighten me. Why would they build it in the Shetlands of all places? So, I just want to say, I don't think they've actually launched a spaceship yet. No, they have. Okay. Go online, Shetland rocket launch. I think what oh. they're doing is trying to bring it there. So there was some talk That's of turning... ready to. Yeah. So do you remember the Presswick Airport? Well, I know the airport, but they've never launched rockets from an airport, I don't think. No, but there was a few years ago, they were in a lot of difficulty because a few of the cheap airlines had pulled out, so they didn't really have enough aircraft coming in to justify the airport. There was some talk... Presswick. Presswick, yeah. There was some talk about the Scottish government taking it over and turning it into a space centre in in Scotland. Really? Um, Presswick? mm Mm-hmm. Isn't that, like, too suburban for rocket launching? Mm-hmm. Isn't that a bit too much of a health and safety risk? Because I've never thought of that. You're quite right. Yeah, yeah, probably is just. Not... Do you not want this to be in a very like isolated spot, yeah. like yonks away from anyone? And it would be loud. I think <clears throat> there's a, a British engineer who's been working on this project since the eighties. He's wanted to design a, a plane that can take off from a normal runway using normal jets, and then it switches to. Um, I think it's called a scramjet, so a very high high speed jet, and it can go into orbit as is, and then it'll be able to land again. So the plane will be able to take off from a normal runway, go up, and then land on a normal runway. Um, I think the issue that he's having is something like cooling of the air at the high temperature, like the air is so hot that it damages. The air. So at that speed, when they're still in the atmosphere, the engines are get too hot or something, and they need to be able to cool it. So I think that's. The problem he's been trying to solve for like 30 years now, almost. Um, Who's been trying to solve that? All, so, all the engineers that are part of this? Yeah, so it's a very small team and it's really just one guy's project. Um, he's been on the go for a while. Uh, he got funding from the EU a few years ago. Um, I don't know a lot of the details about it, actually, but I think there was some talk about bringing them to Presswick and having their engineering department get to use that airport to build and test this um this kind of rocket plane or space plane kind of idea space plane yeah <laughs> sounds really funny yeah rocket planes rocket, space it, plane. that's what i was gonna say it's not actually a rocket that's the thing it uses two different types of engine of course why why wouldn't i know that specific piece of info that only an autistic person would know well you're the one that brought up rockets so you're a bit of an autist i'd never deny that 
Well, don't confirm it in front of everyone. I didn't confirm it. I just didn't deny it. I just didn't deny it. You're doing a comb over with your hair. Is it because you're going bald, Ali? I'm not doing it. I have literally never combed my hair in my life. I'm kidding. I'm having a laugh and a half. And I am going bald. I mean, I don't, I'm not denying it. <laughs> going bald since I was 22. No, you weren't. Mm. Ali, you weren't going bald at that young age. 25 at the latest. I think maybe your late 20s, but definitely not 22. Mid-20s. So... The team on the Shetlands is counting down to the UK's first vertical satellite launch on Unst, which is the name of the island mm. in the Shetlands, Unst. So, yeah, you're right. They haven't actually shot the rockets off yet, but it's going to. Um, so, yeah, it is. It's known as the Space Centre. It's the Shetlands Space Centre. I just didn't know they launched rockets, like, in the UK that were... Heading for space. And the shells just seems such a random place for it as well. It's probably a fairly good place, as I said before, for in polar orbits. Um, so Because they don't tend to launch rockets from the UK, right? The ones into space, they tend to launch from the US. Um, yeah, they do a few launches in France as well. Um, or the Europeans, yeah. yeah. Like, the UK doesn't really launch rockets and they've picked no. Shetland. Which is fun because the UK actually provided most of the early um, equipment and tech and knowledge for the... In fact, the the European Space Programme, their first um, launch vehicle to space, was actually just a modified version of Britain's ballistic missile. Um, we built a missile called the Blue Streak, which was designed to deliver nuclear weapons. Um, and then, like, just as development was nearing its conclusion, um, we decided to go with the Polaris missile system, just buy it from America instead. Um, yeah, I don't really know if the UK really pushed so the UK, we, rocket launchers. No, we did. That's what I mean. We were way ahead of the time back but then. But not in the past couple of decades. No, but that's kind of my point. Back in the day, we kind of developed a yeah. really advanced version. And then we just gifted it to the European Space Agency. <laughs> and that was and that became, yeah, that became, like, our ballistic missile became the um, the first stage of their um, their two-to-orbit um, delivery system. But Britain's always kind of been up there. I don't think we've ever done launches from our... our um, I think, isn't this going to be the first launch? Because the UK doesn't launch rockets into space. And it's just like the Shetlands is this really remote island. Yeah. I I'm just very don't surprised. No, if it is our first, but I would guess it is. It doesn't, I don't think we've done it before. I it's, don't think so. You said it's such a densely populated island, the UK, it's, it's difficult to see where you would do it from. I know when we were testing the our missiles. It's so isolated. Yeah. We used to do all our testing in Australia, which I guess is one in of the, the desert, good, yeah, where there was no one. Exactly, which is one of the good things about well, some Aboriginals, but I guess the they outback. didn't count. <laughs> well, wait, the Aboriginals do count. It's mm. just back then people weren't very nice to them. Yeah, right. Well, they were quite mean actually, but anyway, yeah. So well, that was... so were the Aboriginals. <laughs> I'm joking, by the way. Sorry to your face. Alistair. Hmm. They were quite hard done by it. Incredibly. Um, absolutely brutal. But that's where the rockets were tested, or that's where they tested stuff. It's also where Britain tested their nuclear weapons, just put a nuke in the middle of the Australian desert and blew it up. Like, right, yeah, it works, lads. Smart, Let's it was go home. Near the UK. 
Although I don't think they could do that now in Australia. I think the Australians probably wouldn't want them to do all this kind of stuff. But anyway, that no one's was allowed to test nuclear weapons now. Well, they don't really need tested, right? Because they know they work, so they just have them, right? Actually, they just keep reducing the numbers as well. I think yeah. last year... Um, That's what they do sometimes, and sometimes um, they don't. Yeah, I, I think America in 2021, when they did their review for this year, they've had the lowest nuclear weapon stockpile since 1960, which is pretty cool. Slowly getting there. And obviously North Korea is still testing, but they didn't sign up to the non proliferation treaty so the 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 australians north korea sorry well north korea seems to be a tag with a bit of a burnt paw and they lash out and they think they look strong when they down a ship or when they shoot off their rockets well they're not I, can they're i just weak. say you said that before but i mean it, their policy in this is the exact same as every other country is it not like nuclear weapons are great insurance policy against law i think well Okay. They can't. They have shot at South Korean islands and killed people. Uh-huh. They have downed South Korean ships. I mean, name a country that hasn't done that though. Ah. Not <laughs> in the same, but North Korea is different. Why? I think we just they are evil, but I think. Well, the I mean, <clears throat> to be fair, I'm sure the average North <laughs> Korean is fine. It's a, but it is the system. And it's run by the Kims, and we all know how fantastic they, you know, are. I didn't are. say they were fantastic. <laughs> no, said, I'm, I'm not saying that you said they were fantastic. I'm just being all a bit I'm sarcastic. I'm saying is their behaviour on the international stage actually seems quite logical Most to me. Most countries don't just randomly... Well, they're not randomly doing it. It's intentional to, like, show their... Yeah, but quote, unquote, most strength. countries but most countries don't launch yeah, things but like that. Right? Most countries don't have you, you the American agree. military on their doorstep ready to obliterate the entire country. In but an you would agree with me. You would agree with me that see, you're like asking me to name a country that hasn't done that, but I can't think of one because most countries wouldn't do that, right? No, most countries do some efforts like that. I mean, like which countries? In any country where so. You can look at countries that are fairly in peaceful parts of the world. Name a country. I, can I just explain? Okay, I will. Um, I just need to give a little bit of um, mm-hmm. context for what I'm going to say. So you can find a lot of countries that are in relatively peaceful parts of the world that don't have border disputes, that you know won't engage in that kind of thing. But what I'm saying is, given the situation there, that there is heightened military tension, most countries, <sighs> any country that has a disputed border... Um, or a, a hostile neighbour will do some form of that. The South Koreans don't tend to retaliate back because if they did, then I'd tell you one thing, it would es- it would escalate really quick. They actually do retaliate though, but this is the thing. They I don't think they're launching missiles. No, not by launching missiles, but they do, once again, they're part of, a, you know, they're under the kind of American umbrella. So if North Korea's had a particularly aggressive year where they've been like, shelling things or capturing fishing boats or whatever, then both America and South Korea will do joint operations where they fire, where they they have nuclear capable B-2s fly up and down the coast. Like that is a retaliation. And I know it's relatively peaceful, but... Mm-hmm. Well, they're not actually bombing they're or not... launching, right? Because that would be made known in the media. It's hard to hide, hide this. So they're not actually... No, but they do retaliate in that sense that to let you know, North Korea know that we could flatten you in hours kind of thing. Um, and I think you have to consider that, uh, like, you know, if 
The full might of the, mil uh, the American military was flying up and down the west coast that we were on, and we could see their planes daily. I think we'd still call that quite aggressive, even if they weren't actually shelling us. Like, I would be more scared, because imagine, because then you would be thinking, well, they could. But that's kind of my point. They would. You're but like... th that's my point. I still think that is aggressive, like, regardless of whether the bombs are dropping or not. Um, okay, so you wanted the context. And all I'm saying is, I think that their actions are fairly rational. I think most countries would do a similar thing in North Korea's situation. They're not part of the international community. They're not part of the international situation. They are a shitty government. They're a shitty country. I just don't think... Oh, they're the worst. Yeah, they, they really are. I mean, are. the system is the worst. <clears throat> they are. And they engage, like, as you say, illegally. We were talking about this the other day. And a lot of Hacking. illegal activity and drug dealing. Apparently, one of the defectors <clears throat> to South Korea, um, I don't think he's done a very smart thing. He's done an honest thing. Well, if you believe him, but he's not done a very smart thing. Is that he's went to the media... They've openly seen his face saying that they were selling methamphetamines. Method, yeah. And it's like, I mean, they could off him. They, they could, could easily. Yeah. I mean, if he offed his half-brother, he could off this random defector. Um, so that defect, I mean, he's either really brave or really dumb or a bit of both. I don't know which. But they're engaging in illegal activities now. Because like you mentioned, they have been locked out yeah. of the international <coughs> banking system. Which, as we know, Quite rightly like well. if that happens, Not, that's yeah. very difficult for any country yeah. to function. But the North Koreans seem to have been managing. Um, well, the Kims seem to be living quite a good lifestyle. I think. I think there is definitely like better and worse countries and governments in the world, and I do think that North Korea deserves a lot of the kind of punishment that it takes um, from the rest of the world. They are not a force for stability. However, I think that. Regardless of the responsibility they have in this, I think most countries tend to operate the same way when they are threatened. Like, whether you're an autocracy or a democracy or anything, if a country feels particularly threatened by something or any power structure feels threatened, the gloves tend to come off and they tend to do crazy things. So if you look at, like, America and its war on terror, that was horrendous and brutal, but... Regardless of whether you're a democracy or not, when you feel threatened by something, um, power structures tend to operate the same way. They did, what was it they called it? Mm. Extra legal. They took it out of the legal Extra system. Legal. So this is when they were kidnapping people and not giving them due process and torturing oh, them around the world. The rendition so, flights, many of which went through the UK actually, it, I believe. It's illegal, but they didn't call it illegal. They called it extra legal, outside of legal. But if that was on, if North Korea was doing that, kidnapping people and torturing them, you would call it horrendous. But you know, mm. when it's one, when it's our kind of system, we're a bit more favourable to it. All, all I, think... I wasn't favourable. Well, I didn't agree with what happened no, in the completely. war on terror. But you've kind of made me. I guess my only point review is review my perspective now. But I... I still don't think the way that they operate in North Korea. No, is I don't. Fair. I agree with I you. I mean, I think it's pretty horrendous to his people. But anyway, I, I think it's perfectly reasonable to talk about countries being better or worse and favourable or not. However. Just to say, I, I think that most countries tend to operate in very similar ways if the situations are the same. I think that if Britain had the level of threat on its doorstep that North Korea has, then we would be acting in a very similar fashion. I think most power structures do. And just to say like about the nuclear weapon thing, I think given, you know, do you remember 
President Bush talks about the axis of evil. That was Iraq, Iran and North Korea. No. Yeah, they lumped in North Korea, or was it although they're not really Libya? I don't know. Most of them were Islamic countries. Either way. Because they, remember, they were, well, I mean, they were Islamic countries. The point is, them. like, you know, Saddam Hussein is gone. He didn't have weapons of mass destruction. Gaddafi's gone. He didn't have weapons of mass destruction. Cause he, yeah, because he never If you start them. thinking, hmm, maybe having nuclear weapons is a good way to secure our defense, like, to defend ourselves. And that's the exact same position that every nuclear power takes to, like, as a good insurance policy to have that you know, no one's going to invade you because you destroy them. If nuclear weapons are good for any country, then they have to be good for all of them. Otherwise, it's mm. a hypocrisy, which I don't mind in terms of nuclear weapons because they're pretty damn bad. I mean... I think for as long as... It's horrifying to think if there actually yeah. was a nuclear war because it would be, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't want to live in that type of world. <laughs> For as long as other countries have nuclear weapons and they're threatening you, then it's perfectly reasonable for that country to want them as well, I think. I don't know. I just don't... They are horrendous and they're psychopathic and it's the most horrible regime. I just don't think they're particularly... To its own people as well, incredibly cruel. Yeah, exactly. I just don't think their foreign policy or military policy is particularly different to how most countries operate under threat. Yeah, okay, I think maybe I'm rethinking my my perspective somewhat. Um but yeah, I Yeah, I mean plus nuclear weapons are pretty cool. I mean, anything that can kill 50 million people with the flick of a switch is Alistair, kind of awesome. Don't say that. And imagine if you could have all of that power in one person's fingertips, you'd Which is it. what many heads of state do yeah. and they need to use it wisely. Well, we hope, but... I don't think it is very cool, Mr. Hodgson. Do you remember after the fall of the Soviet Union? Do you remember we were both? <laughs> I was a year old and you weren't even born. The... <laughs> you talk as if we're really old. The Soviets left a lot of military equipment in the Warsaw Pact countries. So there was like... Yeah, countries that are now small Eastern European yeah. countries, like Ukraine. So and... there was like four or five countries ended up with nuclear arsenals because the Soviets just left their nuclear that weapons That fell into there. private hands. Yeah. And most countries said, uh, we don't want these. Could you... Um, I remember, I think it was um, Clinton's... What was it? Um, like nukes for light bulbs initiative or something. Wait, what? I, it might, yeah, it oh, was... nukes for light bulbs. Wait, they were giving them light bulbs no. in return for nuclear weapons. I do not believe no, it that. Wasn't. The idea was that they would take the nuclear weapons off of them and they would give these countries like nuclear energy in return. Did so, it happen? Uh, yeah, Did they most give of nuclear them. Nuclear energy to uh, Ukraine. Uh, well, Ukraine was one of the few countries that thought they ended after the collapse of the Soviets. They had the third largest nuclear arsenal in the world. Um, it's crazy to think today, but Ukraine was the third largest nuclear power on the but planet in the nineties. Zero, they got rid of them all eventually. But did they give it to the Americans, or did they sell them? So it was largely led by America, but it was um, it was an international effort to come in. So they wanted to get rid of the politics of it and say, but, but could they not be the sure Ukrainian the leadership, keep the Ukrainian leadership, well. The, America has its own weapons. You don't want to bring someone else's ideas in. They decommissioned them. So How do you do that with nuclear weapons? I'm not sure. I think mainly... I mean, you can take them apart. So I think mainly what you would do is 
reprocess the fuel and make it safe for storage or for reprocess it so it can be used in a nuclear um, power plant kind of thing. As far as the missiles go, I think that Ukraine is still a major leader in ballistic missile technology to this day. Like the missiles and the warheads are different things. And actually, funnily enough, with North Korea, North Korea got most of its technology for its ballistic missiles from Ukraine. They hired companies there to do the consulting with and to help uh, them build it. Ex Ukraine states. Yeah. But what was that? Nukes for. <sighs> No, but it sounds like they're literally handing them light bulbs for nuclear weapons. And I was like, oh. Or was it nukes for electricity? Nukes for electricity. My God. Like, what? It just seems like the, like, like the way they phrased it. But. Nukes for post-Soviet. For post-Soviet uh, nukes for light bulbs. I can't remember what the program was called. Was it under Clinton? But it would have been because he, because he was the president in the nineties. I think it was under Clinton. Yeah. Wait, that, nukes that all, for light bulbs. Yeah. Kazakhstan and Belarus. <laughs> oh, there was a kind of nickname for that program. I can't remember. I'm sure it was something stupid like that. Anyway, there was a time when um, Ukraine was... And just the, all I was going to say is Ukraine was one of the last of these post-Soviet countries to give up their weapons because they kind of wanted them. Um, but the well, country probably was... a lot of people wanted to either use them as part of negotiations or to sell <laughs> yeah. them. Because I think Ukraine, much like Russia, I think it has a lot of... What's that term? The oligarchs. Oligarchs. The oligarchs, yeah. you know, and I think that they, you know, maybe a few of those men had gotten control of those, um, or if maybe even men from the army were in cahoots, because I assume it would have been people in the army that would have known yeah. where the nuclear weapons were, or maybe some people in the government. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm assuming those were the people, and then if they fell into the private hands, there must have been either a deal done or... Yeah maybe by force. I mean, that's, I'm assuming, how it works there. Um, but yeah, so there would probably, yeah, so I mean, I do believe you that there was this exchange. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean. But the, the, the kind of point I was going to make is just that, you know, we're talking about how it's quite difficult to want to give that up in terms of like Kim Jong-un and kind of you'd want it. And I think they're kind of like, they're horrible things. I wish they didn't exist, but they're kind of cool in a, in a morbid kind of way. But just Ukraine... Well, in a horrifying way, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but Ukraine was very much like that. They were, they kind of really wanted to keep a hold of them. The leadership in Ukraine after the fall of the Soviets was like, yeah, we want nuclear weapons. Of course we do. Why wouldn't that? It's a great way to defend ourselves. Because it's power. And if you have that, it means that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the reason they, they kind of gave them up in the end is because like, the economy was in shambles and they couldn't afford to maintain the third largest nuclear arsenal. I don't think Ukraine ever really has been what you call with a very strong economy. Because isn't think. half the country, like in essence, run by Russia? Like the east of the Ukraine? I wouldn't say it's run by Russia. Um, well, not run, but isn't there a divide between the east and the west of the country? Because remember in 2014, didn't Putin send his troops into the east of Ukraine? Uh, and, and there was all yeah. the fighting. And although he pulled some of the troops out, I think 
there's still a divide there, is there not? And there's a lot of corruption there as well. So if you impact that in, like, I, I don't think it's a country, maybe compared to other European countries that have done better, I don't Holy think... shit, they're dark Ukraine, poor. Yeah, I don't think people oh. in the east of Ukraine... GDP per capita of what three thousand oh, seven hundred US dollars a year. A year. That's like you know. There's what? Three... Wait, a year. Yeah, per person, their economy is three thousand seven hundred dollars. And it's not getting better. Wow, I thought they were higher than that. I don't know what. I don't think Ukraine's particularly wealthy. God, that's lower than I both. think probably there's a lot of people that have a lot of wealth, but they're very select mm-hmm. few. It's like the one percent. Yeah. And they probably tend to spend a lot of time outside of the Ukraine. But that's lower than both uh, Moldova and Belarus. Fuck. And I think Belarus is, well, it's a dictatorship. <laughs> yeah, well, it is in now. Fact, <laughs> actually, he's been in control since about 1990, that guy. <laughs> I didn't realise that, actually. And um, the thing with Belarus is that it's been in the media recently, but mm. actually only recently, because I never even knew that it, it... I didn't hear about it until maybe, like, my... Until I was in my 20s when I'd begun to read about the world. And I know that Belarus is the last autocracy. Well, it's mm. not even an autocracy. It is a dictatorship. It's the last um, one-man show in Europe, really. Um, yeah, right. I, yeah, because yeah. other European, even Eastern European places have, you know, some sort of version of democracy. I mean, I suppose there's Hungary. Viktor Orban is, you know, getting particularly autocratic, but the EU doesn't really seem not to be been, doing much yeah, about it. Also, not I don't been... think he's a dictator, because they could oust him, no? He's still kept in check by... Yeah, because really? yeah, yeah, he's part bit. of the EU. Yeah. The um, the Belarusians are not. And they could never be with a dictator like that. You no. know, they would definitely need to become Yeah, but I don't think they want to. They're very favourable towards... Russia and um, actually Belarus was very much um, I, I, I don't think any country gave as much as they did in the fight in World War Two. I think I can't remember the I think percentage a lot of countries but, probably suffered a lot though. but they were I mean if you look at the percentage of their population that died like they gave Maybe they more than lot, anything but then they didn't have <clears> a lot of people so they must have sent like awful lot of the men yeah but also if you like a disproportionate amount of men then yeah but the Germans right. went through kind of Belarus before getting to um to really did they yeah on their way to Moscow so um I can't remember, like, it's a, it's an insane number, like, it's a measurable percentage of, like, the adult male population. How many Because they probably didn't have a lot of men, and then they probably sent off maybe a huge amount of the men, particularly the young men. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so if you don't have a lot of guys, but you send off a lot of the young guys, then... Yeah, so um, was that about 20% of the population was killed? Men mostly, I'm assuming. Uh, so I think it was a major part of the Holocaust as well, because they had a major Jewish population. Great. Um, yeah, it was around 20%, I think, of the, the population was, was killed, which is just a crazy number. It's really sad. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people had a raw deal. Well, 
this well, they still have a raw deal with with Mr. <laughs> With Mr. Despot. Mr. Despot. I don't, I don't I can't remember his name, his name either. It's a really kind of yeah. long name and it's got a lot of consonants. It does, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because, like, a lot of the names in Eastern Europe... That was Europe it. It sounds like all of those... Like, have a lot of consonants. Eastern Europeans that end oh, Yeah. Mm, that sounds more French. But it sounds no, like... like You know, every time there's, like, an Eastern European in the news to do with politics, it's uh, Alexander Lukashenko. Yeah, or Alexander Nibiaevlian. <laughs> Nikolai Lukashoy. Yeah. Wait, is that the name of the guy? No, I don't know. I'm just so, making up like, what's the name names. of the guy? Nikolai Lukashenko is his son. Right, but what's the name of the actual guy? Yeah, Alexander Lukashenko. No, it's not. Yeah. Is it? I typed in Belarus leader and Google really? suggested Belarus dictator. <laughs> Is Alexander Lukashenko, oh my god, he's doing the comb over, plus he's smiling. He's all smiles. I really like um, his kind of style. Do you remember the protests last year they were coming out? And he, he said something to the effect of like, you know, I if you want to remove me from power, you're going to have to shoot me. And it's like, to, he said that to the protesters and it's like, fair play, like he's raised the stakes, like, you, you know. He's calling in an armed revolution in this country. And it's like, if you don't have the balls for it, I'm going to stay. You know, do you want to play the game at that stakes? Or do you want to go home and get on with your life? Like, I kind of like that, just honest about it. Like, yeah, come on. <laughs> you try and kill me, I'll try and kill you. Let's see what happens. And like, everyone's like, ah, okay, fine. Fuck it's like, it. oh, you're asking an awful lot. What's the time? Right, so that's us up at time. We could run over a bit if you want, or we could... I just, you know, we've talked about rockets, mm. Shetland Space Center, last dictatorship in Europe. What else have we talked about? What like else can we? You know, we've just randomly gone from point A to point B to so point C. I think we haven't really done this in a while. We've been, you know, doing our new jobs. I think it's fine just to um, chill out a bit. To chill out a bit, you know? Yeah. That's what I think too. Okay, guys, well, that has covered a range of topics. Most of them we aren't really connected, but anyway. So bye from Kat. Bye from Alistair. And bye from Bad Pop Productions Podcast. And feel free to leave comments on our Twitter, which is Pod. Right, Ali? Yes, it is. Bampot Pod. Be really good if you can even follow us on Twitter. Tell us oh. we're wrong. Just give us some abuse. Just whatever. Just, yeah. I mean, even if you want to, you know, say you've got other opinions, cool. Just, like, as long as, you know, it's not like you're being really abusive. <laughs> we're using lots of curse words, so. Yeah. That's fine as well, actually. Oh, uh, right, okay. <laughs> That's fine as well, apparently. Just abuse us. Okay. <laughs> okay. Bye. 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 <laughs> Bye from Mali. <laughs> Bye. 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 Bye.